0: Welcome back, everybody. 12.35 in Edmonton. Guests on the show receive certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal's an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. When the province is back up and at him, Roos will be back up in Adam. and at uh, And just speaking of numbers here, uh, you know that I have uh, sort of... Kept the running tabulation since the start of May relating to the COVID numbers. Uh, In what is considered the Edmonton Health Zone, I will tell you that as of uh, December, yeah, it was December the 15th, Edmonton had 9,946 active cases of COVID. Uh, We have dropped to, as of yesterday, 3,561. And have seen the amount of people in ICU uh, we scaled to uh, got upwards of the most Edmonton had was 87 we're currently at 44 so just file that away for future references see that's the sort of stuff you get on this show oh the orders make it official. James Neal's been, uh, activated, uh, through no fault of his own, but because he's already cleared waivers once Joe Kim Nygaard gets put back in the taxi squad. Olivier Rodrigue has been assigned to Bakersfield where Keith Gretzky is right now as, uh, they're going to start their training camp on Sunday with the Condors and Pat Mahomes for you football junkies. And I'm one of them, uh, is officially been cleared to play in the afc championship game which will be a big deal in the uh, province of ontario given the fact that the buffalo bills are playing as we welcome aboard our orders now headliner for will Hawk beef jerky it just might be the best you've ever tasted search for will Hawk, w-i-l-h-a-u-k today elliot friedman from nhl hockey and rogers for the river cree resort casino hi elliot how you doing I'm doing well, Bob. How are you doing? Good. We're kind of getting a little bit, uh, well, It's t- tough couple breaks here. Oilers and Leafs the other night, and everybody wanted uh, sort of a, a similar type of game to a year ago when Edmonton went in there and traded chances with the Leafs, and McDavid scored the goal of the year, 6-4 game, and instead the two teams locked it down. 3-1 game, and then lo and behold, uh, now today, uh, no Austin Matthews. Kind of changes the complexions of things, doesn't it?
1: No, it's disappointing. Um, no question about it. Um, you know, uh, your, your coach sucked the life out of the game the other night, and now Matthews is not, uh, not playing tonight. It's disappointing. The fans don't want to see offense. They want to see excitement. I understand what Dave Tippett said yesterday. They tried it the other way. It didn't work. They tried it his way. They won. W's matter. But I wish it was a little bit more entertaining.
0: Elliot, I am an Edmonton kid from the 1980s. What do you think I was that can watch that? I, I like goals and I like fights. I just didn't like being in them. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, (laughs) yeah, that's right. Especially when you lined up opposite of Todd Ewan when you were 12, 13, and 14. That was no fun. But, uh, anyhow, (laughs) uh, so, so you, you say it was, your coach. So you think it was Dave Tippett? Did Sheldon Keith not play a factor in that? Were they not also. Uh...
1: No, it's. I'm, I'm uh, As a matter of fact, Bob, I'm not even blaming Tippett. I'm holding you personally responsible. Oh, okay. No, I mean, like, the thing is, like, it, it, Toronto has changed a little bit, too. If you, you know, watch them the uh, two nights earlier, they played Winnipeg. The night you guys uh, lost the second one to Montreal, and they really throttled Winnipeg for most of that game, too. Look, these are two teams that get ripped for not knowing had to defend I think yeah. Tippett made a very point, a uh, very good point yesterday. But I got to tell you, like that that game was on national television in two countries. You do want to have a better
0: showcase for your game. Oh, that was it was it was a uh, tepid affair to say the least. That's an absolute yeah. given. Uh, and and you know what? I th- Matthews was. Ter- I thought he played really well in that game. He was dominant in the face-off circle, scored the goal on a strip on a play that Zach Gassian and Miko Koskinen uh, would like to hack have, have back. Now, that said, the Leafs are down a couple bodies. It's not just Matthews, but Joe Thornton was playing the six most minutes for the Leafs as well. Those are two pretty big losses up front.
1: Yeah, that that is, uh, that is big. I, you know, Thornton obviously isn't playing the minutes that. Uh, the other guys are playing, but he's had a little bit of an impact. I think what they'll really dis- be disappointed is with the impact around the room. Uh, he's here to try to ease t- ease the l- workload and the and the um, you know just the overall tension around the team and the players. And it sounded like they really liked him. He lived with Matthews during the quarantine at the start. And now, uh, and and, there, and before the game the other night, Marner gave a really good interview about Matt, about Thornton and just kind of the effect he's had on the team. So they'll miss that as much as anything else. I mean, Matthews, um, you know, he's I think he's their best player. And I think he's kind of been their best player at the start of the season. And, um, you know, any long amount of time without him, that's going to be a
0: big problem. How is a uh, I I like Pe- Engvall. How? how- How's he not been in the lineup every game? What's, what's the story with him? You know, I, I, it's,
1: it's an interesting one. Like, Engvall, um, I kind of like him a bit, too. Um, I think that he, you always notice him out there. Like, good or bad, um, he's a noticeable player. I think one of the things that is an issue, Bob, is that his salary is 1-2. They're at the cap. You know, Robertson, before he got hurt, he's making around – he's making 8.22. Uh, Barabanov is making less than that. Brooks is making less than that. Like, I do think that's a factor. I think Engvall's salary and how close they are to the cap is a factor on why he can't play all the time. But I think just in terms of uh, his play, I just know that they feel that sometimes he doesn't make great decisions. And, um, like there's, you know, I remember last year, someone from the organization saying it's like, if there's one, a game that causes you problems. And in his case, because of the way he plays, they're usually quite visible and he doesn't get a lot of minutes. So I think that's kind of the thing that happens to Engvall. He's got one a game that they look at and they say, oh, boy, that's a big problem for us.
0: Well, speaking of, oh, boy, that could be a big problem. We're going to totally switch forward before we get to uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, John John Orand is reporting that NBC has told distributors and some sports leagues that it's planning to shut down its NBCSN sports channel by the end of the year. Uh, yeah. that, is, that is potentially big news for the National Hockey League.
1: It is. I don't think it's a surprise. Um, I think they knew that the possibility – I think I've read before that there was a chance that that was going to happen uh, after the Olympic Games. Um, we'll see what it means for the NHL, yes. I do know one of the things that's going on is that NBC has a new streaming service called Peacock, yep. and they want that to sort of – um, become their thing you know as more and more people cut cords and we you know we're watching not necessarily television but on our phones or our tablets or things like that our ipads um, people are getting into streaming and i i think that nbc wants to boost their peacock service and i've heard it wouldn't be a huge shocker if the nhl ends up there
0: we'll see well, I know last night my daughter hooked it up. I think it's through the, the NHL app. Uh, are you still there, Elliot? Did we lose you? It sounds like we lost Elliot for a second. But, I think uh, we did, Bob. Give me a second. Uh, sure. Uh, anyhow, I... It was, it was funny because I was watching the Canadians in Vancouver off the app through the TV and following Twitter at the same time. And I was getting the information about 25 seconds to 30 seconds before it was actually occurring. And the Canadians scored like three goals in a span of two minutes. So, uh, it's, it's, it's you know, I'm such a pedant and, and minimal knowledge in these sort of things. All right, Elliot, switching focus. Pierre. Sorry Le- about that. Sorry about that. I apologize. Oh, I, I think get, that was I, my fault. I got hung up on a lot, especially between the ages of 20 to 24. Uh, all I right. know that feeling. <laughs> yes, been there, done that. What is going on with Pierre-Luc Dubois and the Columbus Blue Jackets?
1: Um, you know, obviously last night uh, everybody saw that. Um you know what kind of happened there and he had a really rough night and if you go through the shifts in that game uh it wasn't just the last one where he let uh tyler johnson uh push him around a bit and beat him to that puck i think uh the overall effort wasn't very good and there were five shifts and if you watch them bob like Dubois had a bad night um you know i sent those i sent the clips to even uh, a few people around the league, just asking them what they thought. And I even sent them to some people I know who don't like John Tortorella. And I said, is Tortorella out of line here? And they said, no, he's not. Like, on this one, you can't fault him. Um, I was just watching before I came on air here. Uh, Dubois had a media availability today. Uh, It's on the Blue Jackets YouTube page if you want to watch it. It's pretty good. It's 12 minutes. I got through about the first five. Um, You know, he's not blaming anybody else. He said, I have to be better. And the word is he hasn't been great this year. I mean, clearly he's unhappy there. And we all know he wants to be traded. Um, I think he's a little bit disappointed that it hasn't happened yet. But you can't do that. Um, You know, you can see last night that if you watch Nick Foligno's postgame comments or listen to them, you can see that the teammates were frustrated with him. And, you know, one thing I believe is, you know, Bob, I don't, I don't judge anybody else differently than I would judge myself uh, I, I really believe that I don't think you hold anybody else to a different standard than you could hold yourself and um, I, I know that if that was me I would just say you can't even if you're unhappy or even if you're mad at your boss which I have been before um, you can't put out that kind of an effort um, it affects your reputation it also affects your teammates And, you know, we'll see what happens tomorrow. If they put him in there, they're playing in the afternoon. Um, You know, we'll see how it goes. But, um, you know, obviously he wants out of there. I I think that this is a dangerous time to make a trade because other teams still want Dubois. And um, they know that your leverage is decreasing, so I, I think that while well, I think he could pull the trade and pull the trigger at any time, I also think Kekalainen sitting here and saying I can't do it from a position of weakness because that means that we get out of here worse off. Like I think he's looking, like I, I think he's still asking a high price. And I think he realizes that you can't, you can't just say, okay, I'm fed up. I'm doing this today, unless you get the offer you want, because it's got long-term ramifications for your team and your organization.
0: For the River Career Resort Casino, Elliot Friedman, Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers Now. There is an added layer. Pat Brisson represents Pierre Luc Dubois. He also yeah. has he also has Columbus's two best players. That would be Zach Rorensky and Seth Jones. Or maybe we should be saying Seth Jones and Zach Woransky. One guy's an RFA with two years left, another guy's a UFA with two years left. And mm-hmm. I would have to think that logic would dictate. I know you deal with each player on an individual basis, but I would, that would concern me a little bit, you know, and it, it didn't, let's put it this way. Last night's situation, I would think, exasperated the scenario for, uh, Yarimokaikalainen. Would you not agree?
1: Oh, I'm absolutely exacerbated the situation with Kekalina. Like that, that thrust it even more into the spotlight once again, and it's a big deal. Like I'm not going to argue that with you, Bob. I mean, the thing with the agent, and you're right, Brissano has three pretty powerful clients there. If you're an organization, you want to have a good. you want to have a good um, a, a good feeling with the agent, no question about it. Uh, however, Columbus in the past has been an organization that when it comes to having the hammer in contract negotiations, uh, of the CBA, they've always used it. And at times, I think that's contributed to some of their problems. Right. Agents and fans, uh, agents and players say, like, it definitely happened with Josh Anderson. You know, I'll say that. I don't think it happened here with Dubois. I think they were prepared to make Dubois. I've told, I've told you this on your show, somewhere in the eight times eight range. Um, you know, I, I don't think that's an issue here. But, you know, at the end of the day, one thing about a guy like Pat Brisson is he's got a lot of big time clients. And even if your negotiations with him go good or bad, you know that it's not going to be long until you have to deal with him again. So I'm sh- I'm not sure that's any different from Columbus's point of view
0: here. Yeah, yeah, it's inter- I mean, and let's not forget they also didn't get Bobrovsky nor Panarin signed long term either. Those guys didn't. Yeah, but say
1: those, it. but those guys, those guys yeah, like yeah. Panarin was going. Panarin wasn't staying, um, but Brodsky was a different thing, you know, like he wasn't getting 70 million from, you know, from Columbus. Now Panarin, I don't know if they would have given him what, you know, like the, I bet you like they were prepared to offer Panarin a ton of money, um, but I just think Panarin wanted to go to the Rangers or Florida.
0: See, fans here, Elliot, can relate because they watched Doug Waite and Bill Guerin and guys like that get traded because Kevin Lowe simply couldn't keep those guys. And, and the difference with Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messi is those guys were sold. And so the Oilers were criticized when they long termed, uh, you know, Hall, Everley, and Nugent Hopkins. But a lot of the fans here got it because we're like, well, we got to tie those guys up. And the fans were elated then, than, you know, when McDavid and, and Leon got done, even though they questioned. In Leon's numbers, but I do think, look, if you're the GM, like if you're if you're Ken Holland and Jeff Jackson calls you, you're taking that call. Like, you know, Rich Winters got one other player, I think, off the top of my head. That's Slater Cuckoo, who's been terrific and who I'd even yeah. consider right now resigning next year, but it's a different conversation when it's one of your top-end guys, isn't it?
1: always it always is i mean uh, it, like this sport as much as any other takes a team but your best players drive it and your best your best players sell your tickets and those things are you know very important the other thing too in dubois case is that don't forget the year he was drafted um you know like a lot of people didn't have dubois in the top three for most people it was matthews line at yeah, and you know they took a chance. Um, you think about that—that that whole thing too—is if if Montreal thinks they can get Pierre-Luc Dubois at five, Piquet Subban of Vancouver Canucks, like like Columbus's decision there, it, it was it turned out to be the right call because yes, it did. was fantastic for them. And secondly, like so many other things didn't happen because. Of, of this particular situation. And uh, I think that's what really hurts the Blue Jackets and their fans, too, is that they stepped out a bit to make this pick and it turned out to be the right pick, and now the player wants to go.
0: And you know that Edmonton and Calgary, had Paul Yarby gone three, Edmonton and Calgary were potentially looking at a flip of picks, and the Oilers ultimately would have ended up uh, with... Sergey that was Pete Shirelli's guy, and suddenly Paul Yarvie's sitting there at four, and ironically, and I know we've talked about this before, Elliot, like Chris Knobloch was in Erie, and he's like, stop, you guys, referring to the owners, have to sign Matt, or have to draft Matthew Kachuk. I'm gonna guarantee you he's gonna play, and he's gonna be a dominant player, and he's gonna, you guys have to get him. And it, it, he ended up going six, and the rest is kind of – it's amazing what went on from that draft. It's a, it's a bizarre thing. Very quickly, Elliot.
1: Now, uh, by the way, that, that deal wasn't happening unless Calgary knew they were getting good shock.
0: Right. Yeah. That's that's switch focus. Uh, Canada. Yeah. Canada. Is Montreal on another level right now than anybody else? They're really good, and they're really deep. Now, they're going to get tested a bit
1: because Armia and Byron got hurt last night. Um, so we'll see, like, our, 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 our Felique and Perry going to play? I mean, you can do a hell of a lot worse than those two guys if you go down two forwards. Um, I, I just like their depth. I think they're really deep. They're really rolling. And, um, you know, we'll see them tomorrow night against Vancouver in the early game. Uh, I, I like them a lot. I, like, the one thing I really like about them is their depth. And and the other thing too is it's it's a time in sports where not a lot of owners are willing to spend. Uh, Molson spent, and that was a big advantage for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Edmonton's window will be this summer, where they got twenty-three million in expiring cap space. Elliot, I, I miss seeing. Yeah, info. but you know what,
1: Bob? They've got they've got to pay your salary. How are they going to fit that?
0: don't even start with see it's comments like that i was gonna say you know i really miss you pop uh swinging by popping your head into the broadcast booth with jack and me and saying hi i miss that and instead you bring that sort of stuff my way hey we love having you we, we love having you on the show elliot thank you for your time all right have a great weekend bob you bet Twelve fifty four 54 and edmonton again uh pregame show three 30 puck drop, five Oilers and Leafs. When we come back, uh, we'll get to the Orders Now. Injury Report for James H. Brown, Injury Lawyers.
1: Hi, this is Ryan Nugent-Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stauffer on 630
0: Chet. Well, welcome back, everybody. Bob Stauffer, Brendan Escott Scott with you, 1256 in Edmonton. The Orders Now Injury Report is brought to you by James H. Brown, Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown, two-time All-Star, double-E football club as a safety, played corner at the University of Alberta, back at the 630 Jet Studios. And uh, we got a couple developing stories on the injury-related front, one for Edmonton and one for Toronto. Here's Brendan Escott. Okay, well, uh, injury-wise, I mean, I guess you could say officially activating now is James Neal, so he'll draw into uh, tonight's lineup, Bob. Um, is that contingent on a, on a transaction? Am I understanding that correctly? They have to make a subsequent move to clear uh, the room? Yeah, they did. Okay. Uh, they yeah they did a half hour ago. Perfect. So uh, that's the Edmonton side. Toronto uh, without Austin Matthews tonight and an MRI revealing that Joe Thornton does have fractured ribs. He'll miss around four weeks. Uh, Vancouver placing Travis Hamonic on the IR. He's got an upper body injury. They recalled Brogan Rafferty from the taxi squad. And in Washington, it's reported that goaltender Ilya Samsonov was the one who tested positive for COVID nineteen. Although he has been asymptomatic. So Alex Ovechkin, Dmitry Orlov, and Evgeny Kuznetsov, uh, along with Samsonov, will all miss at least the next four games. And uh, I asked to open the show. uh, We're going to circle back to us on the Ashley Flores text line. Who is better, Rush or Kiss? Sparky Kev, uh, Kev said, maybe it's just because I'm in my 30s, but Rush is far superior to Kiss in my opinion. I wouldn't even compare the two. Rush seemed to be ahead of their time musically, and I think their music stands the test of time. Kiss sounds like an old stereotypical 80s rock, where Rush was progressive and interesting. Again, you can text us at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Mark in St. Albert says, Bob, when I was a kid, KISS was huge, so big they wouldn't even tour Edmonton. I got my name in the Edmonton Journal because I got a huge petition going for them to come to Edmonton. They never did come. KISS fan for life again. Uh, the Boomer, hey Boomer, uh, says, Rush is not my flavor. I used to enjoy KISS, but... <laughs> Gene Simmons has become too much of a blank. That one comes to us from, uh, uh, Boomer. And another texter says, Rush all day. Uh, uh, sadly, Neil Pert passed away. and I think a lot of people thought that Rush was a very progressive uh, uh, band. Another texter says, Bob, a three-chord band in Kiss versus a band, Rush, who some say is the hardest-working band in rock and roll history. No contest. Rush all day. I love doing stuff like that once in a while. I know it had absolutely nothing to do with tonight's game, but it's all good. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell the hardest working woman in the news business up next and uh, when we come back we'll get to Bob McGill a longtime Maple Leafs broadcaster and a guy who had 88 fights in his career for Toronto this is Oilers now Oilers now with Bob Stoffer weekdays at noon on Oilers
1: Radio 630 Chad